0: Chapter Eleven of Abraham Lincoln: A History, Volume Ten. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Abraham Lincoln: A History, Volume Ten by John Hay and John George Nicolay. Chapter Eleven, Lincoln in Richmond. A little more than two months before these events, President Lincoln had written to General Grant please read and answer this letter as though i was not president but only a friend my son now in his twenty-second year having graduated at harvard wishes to see something of the war before it ends i do not wish to put him in the ranks nor yet to give him a commission to which those who have already served long are better entitled and better qualified to hold could he without embarrassment to you or detriment to the service go into your military family with some nominal rank i and not the public furnishing his necessary means if no say so without the least hesitation because i am as anxious and as deeply interested that you shall not be encumbered as you can be yourself grant replied as followed your favor of this date in relation to your son serving in some military capacity is received i will be most happy to have him in my military family in the manner you propose the nominal rank given him is immaterial But I would suggest that of captain, as I have three staff officers now of considerable service in no higher grade. Indeed, I have one officer with only the rank of lieutenant who has been in the service from the beginning of the war. This, however, will make no difference, and I would still say give the rank of captain. Please excuse my writing on a half sheet. I have no resource but to take the blank half of your letter. The president's son, therefore, became a member of Grant's staff with the rank of captain and acquitted himself of the duties of that station with fidelity and honor we may assume that it was the anticipated important military events rather than the presence of captain robert t lincoln at grant's headquarters which induced the general on the twentieth of march eighteen sixty five to invite the president and mrs lincoln to make a visit to his camp near richmond and on the twenty second they and their younger son thomas nicknamed Tad proceeded in the steamer river queen from washington to city point where general grant with his family and staff were occupying a pretty group of huts on the bank of the james river overlooking the harbor which was full of vessels of all classes both war and merchant with wharves and warehouses on an extensive scale here making his home on the steamer which brought him the president remained about ten days enjoying what was probably the most satisfactory relaxation in which he had been able to indulge during his whole presidential service it was springtime and the weather was moderately steady his days were occupied visiting the various camps of the great army in company with the general he was a good horseman records a member of the general staff and made his way through swamps and over corduroy roads as well as the best trooper in the command the soldiers invariably recognized him and greeted him wherever he appeared amongst them with cheers that were no lip service but came from the depth of their hearts many evening hours were passed with groups of officers before roaring camp-fires where mr lincoln was always the magnetic centre of genial conversation and lively anecdote the interest of the visit was further enhanced by the arrival at city point on the evening of march twenty seventh of general sherman who having left general schofield to command in his absence made a hasty trip to confer with grant he was able to gratify the president with a narrative of the leading incidents of his great march from atlanta to savannah and from savannah to goldsboro north carolina in one or two informal interviews in the after cabin of the river queen lincoln grant sherman and rear admiral porter enjoyed a frank interchange of opinion about the favorable prospects of early and final victory and of the speedy realization of the long hoped-for peace sherman and porter affirm that the president confided to them certain liberal views on the subject of reconstructing state governments in the conquered states which do not seem compatible with the very guarded language of mr lincoln elsewhere used or recorded by him it is fair to presume that their own enthusiasm colored their recollection of the president's expressions though it is no doubt true that he spoke of his willingness to be liberal to the verge of prudence And that he even gave them to understand that he would not be displeased at the escape from the country of jefferson davis and other principal rebel leaders on the twenty ninth of march the party separated sherman returning to north carolina and grant starting on his final campaign to appomattox five days later grant informed mr lincoln of the fall of petersburg and on his request the president made a flying visit to that town for another brief conference with the general here also amid the wildest enthusiasm the president again reviewed the victorious regiments of grant marching through petersburg in pursuit of lee the capture of richmond was hourly expected and that welcome information reached lincoln after his return to city point between the receipt of this news and the following forenoon but before any information of the great fire had been received a visit to richmond was arranged for the president and admiral porter ample precautions were taken at the start the president went in the river queen with her escort the bat admiral porter went in his flagship the malvern the transport columbus carried a small cavalry escort and ambulances for the party a tug used at city point to convey the president to and from the landing to the river queen at her anchorage in the harbor also went along the little flotilla steamed cautiously up the james river beyond drury's bluff distant 28 to 30 miles from city point by the very torturous windings of the river some distance above drury's bluff the rebels had obstructed the stream by formidable rows of piling leaving only a small passage which they could easily close if necessary arriving at these obstructions the further progress of the larger vessels was for the moment found impossible admiral farragut visited richmond immediately after its fall and on this morning of april fourth came down from that city to meet the president on the rebel flag of truce boat allison which had escaped destruction by an accident to her machinery the allison had swung across the opening in the piles and was held in place by the current instead of patiently waiting until she could be moved it was resolved to proceed without the vessels the presidential party was transferred to the twelve oared barge of admiral porter a guard of twenty or thirty marines was put aboard the tug and the tug taking the barge in tow managed to pass through the openings in the piles partly obstructed by the allison but when the obstructions had been passed the president insisted that the tug should return and help the allison out of her difficulty in doing this the tug got aground and the mishap left the party no alternative but to proceed in the barge rowed by the admiral's twelve sailors without other escort of any kind and in this manner the president traveled the remaining distance to richmond no accident befell them they passed the suburb of rockets and proceeded to the neighborhood of the manchester bridge effecting a landing one square above libby prison where there was neither officer nor wagon nor escort to meet and receive them never in the history of the world did the head of a mighty nation and the conqueror of a great rebellion enter the captured chief city of the insurgents in such humbleness and simplicity as the party stepped from the barge they found a guide among the contrabands who quickly crowded the streets for the probable coming of the president had been circulated through the city ten of the sailors armed with carbines were formed as a guard six in front and four in rear and between these the party Consisting of the President, Admiral Porter, Captain C. B. Penrose of the Army, Captain A. H. Adams of the Navy, and Lieutenant W. W. Clemens of the Signal Corps, placed themselves, all being on foot. And in this order, the improvised street procession walked a distance of perhaps a mile and a half to the center of Richmond. It was a long and fatiguing march, the probability of which had not been foreseen at starting we quote from a private letter of captain penrose written on april tenth eighteen sixty five a vivid description of its attendant scenes on tuesday we started for richmond and arrived there just thirty six hours after jefferson davis had left here again was a perfect ovation of blacks and poor whites the boat with our escort ran aground so we pulled up to the city in admiral porter's barge when we arrived there was a rush for the president and as we had but ten sailors as a guard, and had to walk over a mile and a half to headquarters, it seemed foolhardy in the President to go. However, we went through without accident, but I never passed a more anxious time than in this walk. In going up, and we were amongst the very first boats, we ran the risk of torpedoes and the obstructions, but I think the risk the President ran in going through the streets of Richmond was even greater, and shows him to have great courage the streets of the city were filled with drunken rebels both officers and men and all was confusion a large portion of the city was still on fire the imagination may easily fill up the picture of a gradually increasing crowd principally of negroes following the little group of marines and officers with the tall form of the president in its centre and having learned that it was indeed mr lincoln give an expression to wonder joy and gratitude in a variety of picturesque emotional ejaculations peculiar to the colored race and for which there was ample time while the little procession made its tiresome march whose route cannot now be traced at length the party reached the headquarters of general weitzel established in the very house occupied by jefferson davis as the presidential mansion of the confederacy and from which he had fled less than two days before here mr lincoln was glad of a chance to sit down and rest and a little later to partake of refreshments which the general provided an informal reception chiefly of union officers naturally followed and later in the afternoon general weitzel went with the president and admiral porter in a carriage guarded by an escort of cavalry to visit the capital the Burt district libby prison castle thunder and other points of interest about the city and of this afternoon drive also no narrative in detail by an eyewitness appears to have been written at the time it was probably before the president went on this drive that there occurred an interview on political topics which forms one of the chief points of interest connected with his visit judge john a campbell rebel assistant secretary of war remained in richmond when on sunday night the other members of the confederate government fled and on tuesday morning he reported to the union military governor general g f shepley and informed him of his submission to the military authorities learning from general shepley that mr lincoln was at city point he asked permission to see him this application was evidently communicated to mr lincoln for shortly after his arrival a staff officer informed campbell that the requested interview would be granted and conducted him to the president at the general's headquarters where it took place The Rebel General J.R. Anderson and others were present as friends of the judge, and General Weitzel as the witness of Mr. Lincoln. Campbell, as spokesman, told the President that the war was over, and made inquiries about the measures and conditions necessary to secure peace. Speaking for Virginia, he urged him to consult and counsel with her public men and her citizens as to the restoration of peace, civil order, and the renewal of her relations as a member of the Union. In his pamphlet, written from memory long afterwards, Campbell states that Mr. Lincoln replied that my general principles were right, the trouble was how to apply them, and no conclusion was reached except to appoint another interview for the following day on board the Malvern. This second interview was accordingly held on Wednesday, April 5th, Campbell taking with him only a single citizen of Richmond, as the others to whom he sent invitations were either absent from the city or declined to accompany him general weitzel was again present as a witness the conversation apparently took a wide range on the general topic of restoring local governments in the south in the course of which the president gave judge campbell a written memorandum embracing an outline of conditions of peace which repeated in substance the terms he had proffered the rebel commissioners of whom campbell was one at the hampton roads conference on the third of february eighteen sixty five the only practical suggestion which was made has been summarized as followed by general weitzel in a statement written from memory as the result of the two interviews mr campbell and the other gentlemen assured mr lincoln that if he would allow the virginia legislature to meet it would at once repeal the ordinance of secession and that then general robert e lee and every other virginian would submit that this would amount to the virtual destruction of the army of northern virginia and eventually to the surrender of all the other rebel armies, and would ensure perfect peace in the shortest possible time. Out of his second conference, which also ended without result, President Lincoln thought he saw an opportunity to draw an immediate and substantial military benefit. On the next day, April 6th, he wrote from City Point, where he had returned, the following letter to General Weitzel, which he immediately transmitted to the general by the hand of senator morton s wilkinson in whose presence he wrote it and who was on his way from city point to richmond it has been intimated to me that the gentlemen who have acted as the legislature of virginia in support of the rebellion may now desire to assemble at richmond and take measures to withdraw the virginia troops and other support from resistance to the general government if they attempt it give them permission and protection until if at all they attempt some action hostile to the united states in which case she will notify them give them reasonable time to leave and at the end of which time arrest any who remain allow judge campbell to see this but do not make it public this document bears upon its face the distinct military object which the president had in view in permitting the rebel legislature to assemble namely to withdraw immediately the virginia troops from the army of lee then on its retreat towards lynchburg it could not be foreseen that lee would surrender the whole of that army within the next three days though it was evident that the withdrawal of the virginia forces from it under whatever pretended state authority would contribute to the ending of the war quite as effectually as the reduction to an equal extent of that army by battle or capture the ground upon which lincoln believed the rebel legislature might take this action is set forth in his dispatch to grant of the same date in which he wrote secretary seward was thrown from his carriage yesterday and seriously injured this with other matters will take me to washington soon i was at richmond yesterday and the day before when and where judge campbell who was with messrs hunter and stevens in february called on me and made such representations as induced me to put in his hands an informal paper repeating the propositions in my letter of instructions to mr seward which you remember and adding that if the war be now further persisted in by the rebels confiscated property shall at the least bear the additional cost and that confiscation shall be remitted to the people of any state which will now promptly and in good faith withdraw its troops and other support from the resistance to the government judge campbell thought it not impossible that the rebel legislature of virginia would do the latter if permitted and accordingly i addressed a private letter to general weitzel with permission for judge campbell to see it telling him general w that if they attempted this to permit and protect them unless they attempt something hostile to the united states in which case to give them notice and time to leave and to arrest any remaining after such time I do not think it very probable that anything will come of this but i have thought it best to notify you so that if you should see signs you may understand them from your recent dispatches it seems that you are pretty effectually withdrawing the virginia troops from opposition to the government nothing that i have done or probably shall do is to delay hinder or interfere with your work that mr lincoln well understood the temper of leading virginians when he wrote that he had little hope of any result from the permission he had given is shown by what followed when on the morning of april seventh general weitzel received the president's letter of the sixth he showed it confidentially to judge campbell who thereupon called together a committee apparently five in number of the virginia rebel legislature and instead of informing them precisely what lincoln had authorized namely a meeting to take measures to withdraw the virginia troops and other support from resistance to the general government the judge in a letter to the committee dated april seventh formulated quite a different line of action i have had since the evacuation of richmond two conversations with mr lincoln president of the united states the conversations had relation to the establishment of a government for virginia the requirement of oaths of allegiance from the citizens and the terms of settlement with the united states with the concurrence and sanction of general weitzel he assented to the application not to require oaths of allegiance from the citizens he stated that he would send to general weitzel his decision upon the question of a government for virginia this letter was received on thursday and was read by me The object of the invitation is for the government of virginia to determine whether they will administer laws in connection with the authorities of the united states i understand from mr lincoln if this condition be fulfilled that no attempt would be made to establish or sustain any other authority the rest of campbell's long letter related to safe conducts to transportation and to the contents of the written memorandum handed by lincoln to him at the interview on the malvern about general conditions of peace but this memorandum contained no syllable of reference to the government of virginia and bore no relation of any kind to the president's permission to take measures to withdraw the virginia troops except its promise that confiscations except in the case of third party intervening interests will be remitted to the people of any state which shall now promptly and in good faith withdraw its troops from further resistance to the government going a step further the committee next prepared a call inviting a meeting of the general assembly announcing the consent of the military authorities of the united states to the session of the legislature in richmond and stating that the matters to be submitted to the legislature are the restoration of peace to the state of virginia and the adjustment of questions involving life liberty and property that have arisen in the states as a consequence of the war When General Weitzel endorsed his approval on the call for publications in the Whig and in handbill form, he does not seem to have read, or if he read, to have realized how completely President Lincoln's permission had been changed and his authority perverted. Instead of permitting them to recall Virginia soldiers, Weitzel was about to allow them authoritatively to sit in judgment on all the political consequences of the war in the states general weitzel's approval was signed to the call on april eleventh and it was published in the richmond whig on the morning of the twelfth on that day the president having returned to washington was at the war department writing an answer to a dispatch from general weitzel in which the general defended himself against the secretary's censure for having neglected to require from the churches in richmond prayers for the president of the united states similar to those which prior to the fall of the city had been offered up in their religious services in behalf of the rebel chief jefferson davis before he was driven from the capital weitzel contended that the tone of president lincoln's conversations with him justified the omission mr lincoln was never punctilious about social or official etiquette towards himself and he doubtless felt in this instance that neither his moral nor political well-being was seriously dependent upon the prayers of the richmond rebel churches to this part of the general's dispatch he therefore answered i have seen your dispatches to colonel hardy about the matter of prayers i do not remember hearing prayer spoken of while i was in richmond but i have no doubt that you acted in what appeared to you to be the spirit and temper manifested by me while there having thus generously assumed responsibility for weitzel's alleged neglect the president's next thought was about what the virginia rebel legislature was doing of which he had heard nothing since his return from city point he therefore included in this same telegram of april twelfth the following inquiry and direction is there any sign of the rebel legislature coming together on the understanding of my letter to you if there is any such sign inform me what it is if there is no such sign you may withdraw the offer to this question general weitzel answered briefly the passports have gone out for the legislature and it is common talk that they will come together it is probable that mr lincoln thought that if after the lapse of five days the proposed meeting had progressed no further than common talk nothing could be expected from it it would also seem that at this time he must have received either by telegraph or by mail copies of the correspondence and call which weitzel had authorized and which had been published that morning the president therefore immediately wrote and sent to general weitzel a long telegram in which he explained his course with such clearness that its mere perusal sets at rest all controversy respecting either his original intention of policy or the legal effect of his action and orders and by a final revocation of the permission he had given brought the incident to its natural and appropriate termination i have just seen judge campbell's letter to you of the seventh he assumes it appears to me that i have called the insurgent legislature of virginia together as the rightful legislature of the state to settle all differences with the united states i have done no such thing i spoke of them not as a legislature but as the gentlemen who have acted as the legislature of virginia in support of the rebellion i did this on purpose to exclude the assumption that i was recognizing them as a rightful body i dealt with them as men having power de facto to do a specific thing to wit to withdraw the virginia troops and other support from resistance to the general government for which in the paper handed to judge campbell i promised a special equivalent to wit a remission to the people of the states except in certain cases of the confiscation of their property i meant this and no more inasmuch however as judge campbell misconstrues this and is still pressing for an armistice Contrary to the explicit statement of the paper I gave him, and particularly as General Grant has since captured the Virginia troops, so that giving a consideration for their withdrawal is no longer applicable, let my letter to you and the paper to Judge Campbell both be withdrawn or countermanded, and he be notified of it. Do not now allow them to assemble, but if any have come, allow them safe return to their homes. End of chapter 11.